This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. We are post-game for G1 Special Night 1, New Japan Pro Wrestling in the United States uh, at in Long Beach, California. Um, alongside with me are my buddies John LaRocca, booker for APW, Dave Dutra, former NorCal pro wrestler, and in the back, watching the show over again is uh, the heartbreak kid, David Rubio. We're not going to talk about the matches per se, match by match. We're going to kind of try to give the live thoughts to the show, anything that you may not have seen on TV. Uh, but you know, if you watched it, you you don't need to. We don't need to talk about every match in, in, in detail. Uh, but the first thing I wanted to do uh, is go over the sort of the overall feel of the show live. And I'm going to start with John. Um, we, we, we already went over this once in a malfunction, and so our thoughts are probably going to be a little bit more cogent at this point. <laughs> um, so, scale of 1 to 10, what were your thoughts uh, live on the entertainment value and overall feel of a pro wrestling show uh, for the show tonight? Um, as I said earlier, I believe it was a 7 out of 10. Um, that's because the dude did the, the arena set up, just the floor seating, there's no risers, it's a flat, it's just an empty warehouse, and um, viewing, it, our view was skewed because it was hard to see people stand up, so like we eventually just got up and watched the show from the back, and actually it was better seats than actually the seats that we paid for, which, uh, which were, you know, to the side a little bit, but, you know, it was tough to stand up the whole time, but, but the wrestling was really good, and, uh, lost myself in that so true or, true or false real quick was it really uh the chicano beavis and butthead who made you want to leave where we were sitting uh the two guys in front of us who were great by the way <laughs> i actually love those guys they were annoying as hell and but at the same time like their molds were so awesome like and their gear was awesome just because like who are like i wanted to like know what these guys do like <laughs> I want to do what they do outside of this, like, what they do for their jobs. Like, I was really curious about them. They were drunk out of their minds. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, what promotion you go visit, <laughs> wrestling fans are wrestling fans, and you're going to find those kind of people everywhere. So, All right, Eric, Eric Deidre, what was your what was your rating? Um, I gave it seven as well. Uh, same reasons, really. The thing is, as cool as it is, um, as great as it is to take part in such a raucous crowd and experience some of the oohs and ahs live like that. Um, it doesn't serve well when you can't really see much of the action from 90% of the floor seats there. They're all floor seats, right? But 90% of them are going to be behind row one. Uh, and just the way it was set up, it, there was not very many good seats because uh, everyone wanted to stand up and every every major star came out and then you can't see. Um, so, yeah, you know, about a quarter, I, w I would say, honestly, about a quarter of the building by the end of the night, they all got out of their seats and stood around the perimeter of this warehouse because those were, in fact, better viewing points. Um, so it, it made it a little difficult to experience live in that sense. 
And I feel like to really study the matches and give them fair ratings, I will need to rewatch on New Japan World. Yeah, my friend Jeff Gagliardo had row four um, behind Jim Ross and, and Josh Barnett. And I was like, oh, you have great seats over here. And he's like, actually, <laughs> not that great either. Like, you know, it's hard to see stuff. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, people stand up. So I was like, wow. So, yeah, that 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 setup was uh, a little tough to view. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I enjoyed it when I went to the back by the production area and watched the matches. Yeah, and, and, one, and you know, one positive about the, the overall production and just the experience live um, visually, it looked really cool. You you walk into a building like that. Um, it's it's a, just a basically a convention center warehouse, and you don't expect the level of production that New Japan brought. So that was pleasant to see. And you see the multiple video screens built into the entrance set. You see this automated awesome crane cam on a giant track system. Um, the the ring was incredibly well lit and. You know, from the stuff we briefly saw on the production monitors, um, it looks like it came off on television fantastic. So um, they they brought their A game for the video production, and it, that was nice to see when you walk in that building. So let's talk a little bit about not as much the building, because I think we all sort of felt the same experience. My back still hurts from, from standing for, for four hours. But... Um, the reason for running that building, like I have my thoughts, which is I think they knew that they could sell out that number, uh, uh, whatever it's 3,000 or whatever the number is, um, but they weren't sure that they could go bigger than that. And I think they really wanted this show to be a success. Um, and, and, and so, you know, they probably sandbagged in, in that instance, because if they do go to like a real building, we don't have those problems with our, you know, with the seating, but then again, maybe the building's not as full, maybe it doesn't look as good on TV. And so for that first time, this is really like a test, right? This is, this is not something that, that they've done before. And so they have to, you know, this is like the, the beta of what they're trying to do. So I, I get it from that point. Um, but what do, what'd you got, what do you guys think? Like what, why, why run this building versus, the much bigger building right down the, 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 you know, the little walkway that, that seats, uh, big shows. Well, I thought, you know, that, that place, obviously there's an event going on the same day too at the biggest, the, the big arena where actually I saw a Bellator show there and it's actually really awesome inside. It's like, it's perfect. It'd be perfect for New Japan. I think they would do really well there. And just by how the production team, which I believe is ROH production team, how they filmed this show, I think they could easily cover up because they made that warehouse like from watching the monitor and watching it now which you have playing right now in the background like it looks fantastic on tv it looks way better than like any impact show that you've ever seen oh 100 I, I think it's a little bit of both um i i agree and i didn't think about it until you brought it up garrett about them sort of sandbagging it to make it you know a, a huge success but I also think it has to little a little bit to do with them underestimating the U.S. market and interest for New Japan, uh, and that was proven to me even further tonight when they're running out of merchandise to sell to fans. And after uh, the main event, they closed off the line, and they, they had to turn away a lot of fans from buying more merchandise. And I wanted um, a, a a shirt to commemorate the night, so I wanted that G1 Climax or G1 USA shirt. And they had sold out completely, and, you know, we'll see if they replenish it. But the guys actually said they sold out their entire weekend's 
uh, stock. So it sounds like they they somewhat underestimated the interest, and I think they can they can draw at least double what they pulled. Um, given the fact that you know they say they sold out in a couple minutes, I think it took about an hour since I was online shopping, <laughs> and I know it. I shopped for longer than two minutes, but I mean they sold out that building, and let's let's be fair, at least uh, you know under two hours they sold out the three thousand seats. They can sell. They can at least do double that, and I think they. They just underestimated the interest. Did you think uh, some of it has to do with just the idea of running two nights back to back? Like, because you know, norm- normal tours, you don't really run the same building that you know two days in a row. You, you know, you may go fifty miles north to the next city, so that you know, that seems like it's an easier way to to uh, to do a tour, but. Do you think some of that has to do with, like, they did run, they're running the same building two nights in a row, and maybe there was some worry there? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's a really good point. You know, I, that... I, I look at it the other way. I actually think that's better, and the reason why is because of the nature of the show. They're not a regularly touring company in the United States, so this was a big deal. So this is sort of like a, a WrestleMania for U.S. fans. Look at the people we spoke to you know, at dinner and at the show, most mm-hmm. people were coming from all over the place. We had people from Canada, people from North Dakota, people from Florida, all over to come see New Japan. So when you come, when it's a destination event, yeah, it makes more sense to have everything in one location for a weekend because then people make trips out of it. Now, if they start becoming more regular, then I would say, yeah, let's go to different cities. But yeah, uh, friends of the uh, F4W Observer community. Uh, Wade came from Chicago. Todd came from, all the way from DC. Um, yeah, people were coming from all over the place. And you even said, Dutri, that you had you had sold your extra tickets to someone who was coming from Florida, and then the other person was Toronto. from Toronto. So yeah, yeah that, 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 that's you're you're right on the money with that. Um, so compare like this kind of show, the crowd, the atmosphere, and I guess when you're comparing it, like there's not a ton of things to compare it to because you either have a WWE show or an indie show or sort of like an NXT show, which is WWE's version of that, or maybe like an MMA show. But how would you compare this? Like what's it closest to this show tonight that you saw? Like what kind of crowd, like what kind of atmosphere, what would you compare it to? I would compare it to an NXT crowd. Uh, that, you know, they had the chance. They were in into they knew all the gimmicks they knew everything they knew all the characters they um the new japan guys were over which i thought you know guys like jay lethal um i thought like a guy like that I thought he would get a big reaction like no one really <laughs> not that they didn't care just they didn't really give a big reaction to jay lethal or adam page at all that match was actually pretty fairly quiet throughout the whole match and yeah. then they got him towards the yeah. end but like uh they they really were into the new japan guys like cody rhodes they just say you're a heel you know, we're going to boo you. We're cheering Okada because he's the star. Yep. Um, they were there to see Tanahashi. They were there to see Kushida and Naito. I think those, I think, who was the most over? Kenny Omega? Omega, for sure. Omega, Okada. And Tanahashi. Tanahashi and Naito and Kushida are kind of in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, Kushida a little lower, lower than Tanahashi and Naito, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I judge it by how many people held their phones above their heads in the report. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, but I'm like, with Omega. Okada and Tanahashi, those three, in no particular order, I think every single person within the first five rows had their phones out recording the entrances. So yeah. that's who they really came no, to no see. No Billy Gunn? 
<laughs> Billy Gunn didn't get much reaction. Um, Zack Saber didn't get that big a reaction that yeah. I thought he was going to get. That was interesting to me, but at the, at the end of the night, Zach, though, at the end of the match, though, he did get a really. Zack Saber works a lot of indies, all over the country, and it's that which is. I mean, he's still awesome. He, right? but the finish of his match got a good pop. But yeah, like that a was personal really, reaction. But people, really people are coming to see guys that never come to the yeah, United States. Yes. Exactly, that's why they're they, they pop for all the New Japan guys. I heard I heard uh, Billy Gunn got a suck my dick on on access though. Oh man, <laughs> that's what I heard. Um, so. We didn't really get to hear a lot of this, but the Twitter, um, the Twitter sphere, did not like Jim Ross's commentary hmm. at all, which was, I guess, kind of predictable because, um, you know, I, I I I think he's he he's sort of to, to to some fans, at least to some hardcore fans of that of that, uh, he's a little bit hit or miss with that, you know, with those folks. And we've talked about you know this show being a little bit closer to like an NXT crowd. Being that these are their guys, like they, you know, I'm sure they're wrestling fans around the world. But on this night, like Okada was everyone's favorite wrestler, Omega was everyone's favorite wrestler in that building. So I thought that was that was interesting. But um, what do you think? So the reason why I brought up Jr. is because I was thinking of like the casual audience who may have seen this for the first time on Access. Like you saw a lot of entertaining spots. Um, from guys maybe that people had never watched before, uh, I, I wonder if Jr.'s commentary was necessarily for that casual fan. Like maybe he was like trying to look at it from like a casual fan. He's sort of a casual fan of this product himself, even though it's kind of weird because he's the lead announcer. But um, yeah, like if if you were thinking like someone like a, a friend, maybe a lapsed fan kind of friend. Mm-hmm put this show on in front of them, how do you think they would have, you know, do you think that they would have reacted positively or too many flips or too many dives or, like, how do you think they would have reacted? People have to understand, wrestling fans have to understand, the hardcore wrestling fans have to understand, when it comes to TV production, they're not really focusing on those hardcore fans because they're going to watch anyways. Yeah. They're watching it. They watch the Raw. They watch the SmackDown. They're trying to get the casual fan. And that's what Jim Ross is there, to get that casual fan invested in what they're watching and same thing with josh burnett they're they're recognizable names you know everyone knows jim ross everyone knows josh burnett if you follow mma and and um i think they do a pretty good job they're actually pretty entertaining and uh i'm looking forward to listening to their commentary uh when i get home back to san jose does it offend you as a wrestling fan if jim ross miss speaks and calls evil by a different right the wrong no name. no i mean i i mean i watch a lot of sports and a lot of the play-by-play guys can mispronounce the name it's it happens you know it's, it's human error what what do you what do you, dave uh, what do you think about that like as a, a, a doesn't product af- i mean it doesn't offend me um and maybe it's because i give jr sort of a pass he he's of an older generation in my opinion um, he's getting up there in age in general. Uh, he doesn't religiously follow the product. I think that everyone pretty much knows that. Um, so, I mean, no, it doesn't offend me. And, I, you know, the, I haven't heard, obviously, I haven't watched the broadcast yet, so I can't really make judgments. I've only heard that he uh, mis- misspoke or said someone's, incorrectly said someone's name or confused a couple guys. 
And I think those matches, those 10-man tags are hard to follow even if you know everyone and trying to call those things because they're just nonstop action. So I'm more interested to see how he calls the, the main event, yeah. the top three matches of that show. Kind of why he's there. Um, that's where Jim Ross is, is on his A game anyway, right? Calling a, a really good story being told by two athletes. Um, so that's where I would judge him if I'm going to judge him at all. I mean, you've done... Have you, have you done announcing at all on any wrestling shows before? Cause I, I have John, not. You've done it. I have not. I, I think you do. You do mostly color. Yes. How does the like the thing that I find so crazy is how does the play by play guy remember the name of every single move that these guys do? It's so I ridiculous. Th- I think when guys try to focus on the move names, that that hurts their hurts their work when they're doing the play-by-play. I think sometimes you're not going to remember everything, and it's not going to hurt the match. You don't call the move, you know. It, it, it's it's fine. Uh, as color, it was fun. I just redact. Yeah. Add some, you know, I was usually a heel color guy, so I had fun with it. But um, it's, you know, it's a give and take between the play-by-play guy and the color. And, I, you know, Josh and, and um, Jim have a really good, they have really good chemistry. They respect each other, mm-hmm. which first and foremost, you know. And that's what comes across when they do their play-by-play. Sometimes you have play-by-play guys who actually approach wrestlers and take notes and say, "Hey, you know, what you know, what do you, what do you call this or something?" And sometimes the other way around too. Sometimes a wrestler is going to do something and is like, "Hey, just so you know, this is what my move is called" or something. So, I guess that would be the best way to take notes, as opposed to what a maneuver. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's let's get to the booking of the show. Just go over. You know, some of the results here. Uh, in the main event, uh, Okada did beat Cody. Um, and, I, and I guess Jim Ross said something to the effect of the American Nightmare Cody. The poor bastard doesn't even have a last name. <laughs> you can't call him Cody Rhodes or Cody Runnels. Um, or he doesn't want to be called Cody Runnels, I guess. Um, so Okada wins. Um, Omega wins. And like we said, they're the two most over guys uh, on the show. Um, and in an upset... Uh, in one of the U.S. title matches, Ishii beats Naito. Um, what did you think personally of the booking of of that result? Because I think most of us thought that going into the finals of this U.S. tournament, it was probably going to be Omega-Naito, but Naito gets upset by Ishii in the first round. I'm guessing, because I believe Naito and Omega are in opposite brackets of the G1, that that will probably be the finals of G1 so they want to hold off for that um I was just kind of like expecting you know Naito and Omega like that was just in my in my mind so when the upset happened technically not upset because Ishii's a, a a top guy yeah um I was surprised and I like that I like to be surprised when I book I like to have some kind of finishes that are surprised not necessarily just to surprise a fan and and then it's going to mean something later on. Yeah. It's just I like to keep people off track a little bit, you know? Like, because I think people get, so, oh, they know, they know what their, the finishes are going to be. They think they know everything. And I think it's good to keep people on their toes. And I think it makes the product more exciting. Mm-hmm. Did you have a, did you, were you surprised or? I was surprised. Um, I think Omega's going to win at the whole tournament. And I think most people feel that way. So, I'm not going to be upset if one of the other matches gets booked slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there is, if all the winners would be the the A guys and all the losers of the court first round were the B guys, I think Ishii um, would have been the best B guy mm-hmm. 
the one people didn't think would win to do the upset. So it's good that they had at least one match of the four that was considered an upset and most people didn't predict, and that was probably the best one to do it. Because um, now he's probably going to go to the finals right? Um, to right. face Omega. And, and we will find out tomorrow. They got We're going to see two matches from, from Kenny Omega tomorrow. I don't know if that crowd will be able to stay composed. <laughs> it's going to be interesting <laughs> yeah. tomorrow, you know. It's going to be it's going to be really good. I think Ishii and Sabre Jr. is going to be really good. Uh, you know, Omega and Lethal is going to be interesting because Lethal has the storyline of his injured ribs from being injured by the Beer City Bruiser at the ROH pay-per-view um, a week ago now. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the tournament. And I like, you know, I'm a big psychology guy. I like to see how the story's going to be, especially the guy has an injury. Like, I thought, actually, Lethal and Paige really didn't tell that good of a story when it came to the, the ribs. Like, he would clutch them and, you know, register them when they hurt. At the same time, he could do a springboard, you know. Uh, just, he just sucked it up on that. Yeah, that, I, that I guess, but I just couldn't believe it. Because, <laughs> like, because like an injured rib's like a big deal, you yeah. know. And, and uh, I like to see, like him adjust his style of match because he couldn't do those moves. Like, I thought that was that was interesting. Like, I mean, not I mean, not talking about another promotion, but, like, recently in All Japan, you know, Kento Miyahara and Su- Suwama were wrestling, and Suwama hurt his hand. So he, and he's known for punching and chopping, and he really couldn't do it, so he had to do different things. And I, I thought that was really cool, you know. And I was kind of hoping to see Lethal do a different kind of style with his – had to work around his injury to tell the story. Right, right, But, right. you know, he didn't, and that's, that's kind of took me out of the match. He's tough, he's tough as nails, man. I guess so. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, – from a, from a booking standpoint, you got the surprise, and and it sort of changed tournament a little bit. But everything else seemingly went the way that I think we expected. Though I think there were some people who did think that there was a slight possibility that Cody could win this match and maybe change the direction again for surprise reasons and for matchup reasons of the booking. But Okada went over, and it seems like that was completely fine as well. No problems with that. No, no problem at all. You know, I I, I like the idea of. Akata having this really long run, and I apparently um, Rubio David Rubio informed us that uh, he'll be breaking the record if he retains it in October in October against whomever you know, and so that's a it's a big deal for IWG title that rarely rarely is uh, won and lost. So that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, update on the heartbreak kid over there. I think he passed out while he was uh, he was listening to us. Um, uh, did you have anything to say about the about the result of Okada and Cody? No, I, I mean I think that was the safe choice, but there wasn't to me there wasn't a bad choice. Yeah. I think it would it would have been really intriguing to have Cody win. That crowd and, would have and the dynamic themselves if Cody won. <laughs> yeah, and the dynamic too between him and which they're already doing anyway with him and Omega. Yeah, but that would have definitely spiced things up. Yeah. But they could still do great things with what they're doing with Okada too. So. Um, I'm curious to see the commentary of Jim Ross calling Omega coming out threatening to throw in the towel because he feels like Cody's you know has enough and I want to see like how Jim Ross tells that story because I want to see the if he's done that research on that storyline yeah, yeah, from yeah. the from the hour uh, time of the draw the Broadway the Dominion yeah from Dominion so really curious to see, I'm really curious to watch this on 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 TV 
So let's actually talk about that main event because um, Cody gets a lot of negative criticism. I guess that's the same thing. But uh, even even tonight when we went out to dinner, uh, we were talking to some of the guys, and they're like, oh, I'm not a big fan of Cody. I don't think he's really good. Um, you get to work, you've got to work with him. And so you see the professionalism and maybe that also rubs off in some way. But, um, I watched and, 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 you know, Okada is at, uh, just about a different level than anybody wrestling today that I can see, you know, with my own eyes. So that, that being said, Cody looked like he belonged in there. Um, I thought he amped up his, his work to, to try and match, you know, Okada, um, I thought the the drama, the selling, I thought all that stuff was really good. He was toe-to-toe with him. I, I mean, there at, to some extent, I think we, we've just seen Cody at a certain level for almost all of his career, and now he's in the main event, like, of these shows, and it's like, well, how did he get there? Like, is, it, is he getting, like, these... What is he doing to get there? Like, you know, because you see him from WWE opening match... And now he's in the main event of these of these indie indie show matches. So it's like, why? Like, why? Why does he get this break? Blah 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 blah. So I think there's some of that there. But outside of that, like, did you have a problem with the, his work in this match? Like, it just seemed like we got a lot of negative responses when we were talking to people. Uh, no, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he stepped up. It's his biggest match of his career. I know he just won the ROH title, but let's be honest. Yeah, this is a, a bigger step than that. And I thought, I thought, if it wasn't for him. And his his uh, work during the towel thing, I, the incident. I thought like he made it serious. Like Brandy, his wife, yeah, made it serious. Like I thought Omega kind of came out and like was kind of like here's a towel, I'm gonna throw <laughs> it in. It wasn't like he wasn't like it didn't really he wasn't really selling as much as like I thought Cody and Brandy did. And yeah. I thought they actually I actually thought the finish was gonna be this you know, crazy screw job where Brandy actually smacks Omega and the towel falls in the ring, referee sees it, just, you know, and he calls the match. Thank God it didn't happen. I thought the match was fine. I thought the finish was fine. I thought um, actually it was a good finish. Um, I think Cody stepped up his game and actually is in for a big program with Omega to uh, bridge the next, you know, Omega Okada title match, you know, because they're going to wrestle in G1. But, yeah, I thought I thought he did great. What what are your thoughts on on Cody being that you know you don't work with him like like John does? Right. Um, I think the some of the backlash comes with the fact that most people, when I, well, most wrestlers, um, they have to prove themselves through their work to get to the main event. Whereas he's sort of proving himself while in the main event. Um, most of his stuff that we've I mean Cody's basically born and bred through WWE. Um, I can't remember him having any main event programs. In fact, I think we were talking about how we, we asked, has Cody worked for 30 minutes right. in any match ever in his career, televised at least, right? Right. right. And we couldn't think of one. And we, I think we actually said that his longest match ever might have been his ROH title victory you just had. Yeah, before tonight. Before tonight. So we're like, well, let's see what he can do. And I mean, that's ultimately, I think what everyone is saying is we don't really know. He's not proven. So he's getting a lot of flack for that. Um, I, I thought the match was good. I don't think it was the best match of the show, but it's top three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he started off very American, very WWE style, like what he was doing to get heat and stuff. But, you know, naturally you have to sort of slow down what happened 
a little bit before that, but it wasn't very traditional, like New Japan IWGP heavyweight title bout when the first thing they do is powder and right, do right, all right. that. So maybe, and to the purists that watch New Japan, they don't like that stuff. So maybe that sort of got under their skin a little bit. But the match built and built and got better and better, which is what a match is supposed to do, right? So, and so, so that, and that's a good point in, in the way the match started. But I also look at that as they had to follow mm-hmm. Omega and Elgin, like throwing everything at the dartboard. I think like Cody's like a real pro. Like we're seeing him. Work with him at APW. Uh, he comes out there and he just doesn't go to the ring and and, and does his like shtick, like he raw raw shtick as a baby face. Like uh, he's reading that crowd. He's keeping eye talk, eye talk on each side of that entranceway. He's listening to the crowd. He sees a girl dressed up as Stardust. You know, he goes out there, picks her up, does the the Stardust kiss. People go crazy. Like he didn't have that plan in the back. I'm, the, I'm not gonna go find the Stardust girl and pick her up. Like he just saw her there and at that moment and went with it. And I think what happened to tonight when he came out, he got a lot of heel heat, right? So what do you do? You take a powder. A little more heat, yep. and plus you got to calm that crowd down, as yep. we're going to talk about next. Because Ishi, uh, sorry, Omega and Elgin, they did everything, including the kitchen sink, as you said earlier sure, tonight. Suplex on the apron. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so l- let's talk about uh, the best matches of the show. I think we're probably all in, in, in the same mindset of Big Mike and Kenny Omega was probably the best match. Um, it was the one that the crowd went the most crazy for. Uh, I think that was death. Like Kenny Omega was the guy that mm-hmm. almost everyone came to see, and based on the way that rea- that they reacted, um, would I mean? Are you in agreement? Do you think that that was probably the best match? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's the best match. The crowd was going crazy for everything they did. Um, the ending, like few minute and 32 minutes I thought was really good you know the knees and stuff Mega is telling the story that he had to do everything he can to uh, stop you know Big Mike who was a bulldozer in there so um, it was a it was a good match I, I didn't like the beginning part of it um I like Omega I think he's a really good athlete I think he's a really good wrestler good worker but I don't think he's a great worker just because of the facial expression stuff. I think it's a little over the top. It kind of takes me out of the matches. Mm-hmm. But the second half of the match is being very serious. He's really trying to win. So maybe I, I was trying to think about this today, like when I was watching that match. Like maybe I should take him like, okay, he's going to be goofy and silly because that's his nature. That's his, mm-hmm. personality. his personality. But when it comes to, hey, I got to finish this guy, I'm yeah. going to get serious. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'm definitely going to look forward to looking at that tomorrow night. Do you agree so that with that match being the best? Yep, um, but it's close. I, I think a very, very close second was Naito and um, uh, Ishii. Um, I, I thought just the chemistry and just the the pace of that match was more consistent, and that one just got... I, th- I thought the ending, the ending sequence mm-hmm. of that match was stronger, actually. It didn't get as big of a pop. Yeah. And sometimes it's the crowd reaction that makes a match even more spectacular, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but that one was a close, close second. For I, me. I, I read, I was reading through Twitter that maybe that the the end part of that match wasn't the smoothest. I, I didn't, I didn't really see it live, but there was which match is that the the Ishii and Naito match. 
Um, I thought it was I thought it was fine, and I I don't know if this was a planned spot or it was something they just kind of he Naito kind of came up with at that moment, like the DDT, went, the walk up the rope DDT, yeah, yeah. like he missed it, yeah, and stopped and went to do it again on the other side and like act like he like Ishii pulled him away, yeah, he couldn't get it, and then he hit it, yeah, and I thought that was, I mean if he if that was like something he just decided to do then and there to cover up that not hitting it, you know, getting to the rope. Hitting it off the ropes the first time around, like God, I know he's a genius. Like I yeah. think he's one of the best wrestlers out there today. And like watching him tonight, like you know, we all know he's great. We know Tanahashi's great. We know Kata's great. But like, there's something about seeing these guys live, and that's why I was so excited. I knew they're gonna have good matches because they're great athletes and great workers. But like seeing them perform live and in person, and watching how they manipulate a crowd was something I was really looking forward to. And I think Naito was the best of the top three mm-hmm. and you know Tanahashi was in that that yeah, 10 he, man he so he didn't get a chance to do that but and he probably won't have that big of a chance to tomorrow against Billy Gunn um, but like like I always tell, I always tell a story about going to see a WWE house show mm-hmm. uh, it was Randy Orton and Roman Reigns and like I was I think Randy Orton's one of the best and like seeing him perform live and just he played that crowd solidified like, it for you oh man he's, he, he's fantastic same thing tonight with Naito um, so, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with Dave. I think, uh, I think that was a, a close second match and I was actually, wasn't paying a hundred percent attention to it because, uh, my friend, uh, Ben Miller, like he's, I sp- he spotted me. And so we were talking, you know, about wrestling and about basketball, but I was keeping an eye on the whole thing. Cause I was like, Oh, sh- this is getting good. And I was like telling him like, this is getting good. And so then we saw that the, the, you know, everything as it happened and, and it was, it was really good. And that, that's the one I want to watch again, you know, on the, on the live show. Um, now, John, you have a very good skill set of being very close to guessing Dave Meltzer's star ratings within about a quarter of a star, just about every time, except if it's a, if it's a Lucha match. Um, <laughs> So, oh man, uh, put him on the spot. We, I mean, we don't have to guess what Dave's gonna gonna guess. But if if you were to give star ratings to the last three matches, how do you think you would go? Um, four. I would go four and a quarter for Ishii Naito, four and a half for Omega and um, Elgin, and then four for Okada and Cody. I think, I think that's fair. I mean, and and how many shows do you ever get to go to see live where there's four four-star matches back to back to back? Yeah. It's rare. And, like, it's funny because I've heard people talk about, oh, yeah, the opener was all right. But I think people got to understand. Yeah. It's a, you got to build to the big matches. Those are the most important matches on the show. The first match with the Young Bucks and uh, the the Bullet Club versus uh, Osprey yeah. and Chaos. Like it just it set the pace. They yeah. did some cool stuff. You know they got the crowd into it. The Bucks were a, a really popular act, and and they opened up with them. Um, the, the, if you're a, if you are a Young Bucks fanatic, like I, I got a, I got a like on on a, on a post on Instagram. From a uh, a user called Fuck the Revival, <laughs> and it's like a Young Bucks fan uh, Instagram. But if you were like a Young Bucks diehard, you probably didn't really get your worth. But you're gonna get it tomorrow. But I hope you bought tickets for Sunday because I think that's where yeah. them and Romero and Beretta yeah. are gonna. You're, you're gonna get that tomorrow, and then the the match with the Luchadors, uh, Dragon Lee, Volador, Teton. 
um, against uh, uh, you know Ta- Takahashi, Sonata, Evil, etc. Like L.I.J. Like that match there was all about the luchadors doing their dives and doing the big moves, and that's what the fans want to see, and they and they and they did it. You know, and the only match I thought this missed the mark was uh, Jay Lethal and uh, Adam Page. Uh, Saber Junior and Juice Robinson is kind of where the show picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also heard from others through they're like, oh yeah, it was good, but you know, whatever. I, I thought that was uh, it was different, right? Because you you like I said you had those first the first two matches which are kind of just crazy matches, and this was more like. Saber, you know, putting him in submissions and and, and Juice fighting back and, mm-hmm. and and all that stuff, which was it, it changed the sort of the the mood for of the show to correctly because in building up, like you said, building up to what we were about to see. Well, that was the first. Well, that was actually the second. It was because the lethal lethal, lethal and Page first. It was, yeah. it was the, the second, second U.S. title. Uh, U.S. title. Right. Yeah. So where Le- lethal and Page failed in my eyes, Juice. And Saber made that U.S. tournament important. Yeah, fourth best match of the show. Yes, behind easily the th- behind the three main events that all main evented. So the, right, those right, right. And submission finish was awesome. He did juice. Juice's shoulder blades were touching. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was, that was the was best crazy. octopus hold I've ever seen. And like, I like how they didn't rush the submission. It was a struggle. I mean, every time he tried to reach a rope, he'd uh, Zack Saber grabbing another limb. Yeah, you know, and he's like this wizard technical guy, and I thought that was probably one of the best Zack Saber matches I've seen in a long time. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to his match at Ishii tomorrow. That's gonna be, it's gonna be freaking awesome. And I really Stylist like Clash right there. I really like can, Ishii, can, man. Can Ishii sh- shoulder blades touch though? They won't because he's gonna beat the. <laughs> <laughs> Ishii's like like a throwback, like so, you know, like we grew up. Well, when I grew up watching, you know, wrestling, like Ron Garvin was like, you know, he wasn't the flashy, but man, you, you're like this guy can kick ass. I think Ishii's like a, a Ron Garvin, you know, like he's gonna beat the crap out of you. Sunday gonna top Saturday. Potentially could I think you know yeah two Omega matches he's gonna go all out. I think. Um, Don't forget Billy Gunn. People. I don't have this listed in Wikipedia. Someone's not updating Wikipedia, but uh, Kushida's supposed to be defending his title too. Yes, yeah, that's what I mean. So, all titles are on the line. So, I was, and then someone mentioned in tonight at dinner was supposed to be Bushi, but he just beat Bushi at Corkin. So, I don't know if that's going to happen. I would like to see Kushida wrestle Volador or Dragon Lee. You didn't see Volador and uh, Kushida from the Best of Jupiter Juniors, and it was really, really, really good. And like Kushida, I think is top ten because he can wrestle every style: U.S., Japanese, of course, uh, European style, lucha libre, and of course, you know, he has an MMA background, so he incorporates that. Like he is, he's fantastic. Yeah, it's not. I don't. I don't see anything on. Uh F four W Wrestling Observer either as far as what the what the what the match I'm kinda excited like just going in and seeing like they're gonna announce the card in the beginning, but it's kinda cool to see what's gonna happen. They've announced five matches and you know they have to fill up more than that. There's gonna be probably three more. Yeah, eight matches I think, yeah. Yeah, the the only thing that I saw on F four W is Wale is going to host the rap battle between the Usos and the New Day. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be pretty. That'll be actually kind of fun. Um, so, uh, I guess the the last the last few things um, 
kind of wanted to go over. So we talked a little bit about tomorrow's show. Um, we saw a title change. We haven't talked we about saw, it. Oh well, yeah, right, right. The, we we saw we saw the tag the tag titles change. War Machine against Grills of Warfare. Uh, the fallout through the table, which was, I mean, it's just crazy how the the what's the big guy's name? Uh, Hanson. That dude. He's like, he's great. Like so, I love watching so him athletic well. in a in the most least athletic body possible. Yeah, I, I really like War Machine. I rolled my eyes big time when they said, let's make it a no disqualification match. I just like, okay, we're there to see a, a Japanese wrestling show, in my opinion. Like, we want to see, an, and like, it was just like this impromptu, Americanized bullshit. It is yeah. G1 in the USA. Yeah. It's, trying to, they think they know what the American audience that wants maybe to see they, New Japan wants to see. Maybe they figured that the American audience wants to see some kind of hardcore match. And but Billy like, Gunn. And, like, yeah. <laughs> and Billy Gunn. But Billy Gunn was also on tours before, though. He's yeah, actually know, wrestled for New Japan. But, but like, like uh, garbage can lid stuff, yeah. you know? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just thought that I mean, took, I, the, I, took seemed, the wind out of that match for it me. It seemed like, like the idea was we want to do this fallout through the table and how do you make it legal or how do you make it okay? Yeah, yeah, I guess and, that's and, what and it was. I guess that's what it was. And it, it, it was pretty spectacular. The, the match in of itself was okay. It wasn't great, but that spot I think was very memorable. It's going to be one of the things that I think about when I think about this show. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, like, during that Dominion, it was like, wow, they put the belts back on Tama and... Uh, Tangaloa, that was kind of weird because the War Machine was really getting some momentum, and obviously they did it just for the title change yeah. here in the United so States. Here. Um, so uh, the last thing I want to uh, bring up, unless you guys have any, have anything else to, to quickly talk about, so um, I want I want to bring in a not a new segment or whatever to a pot to a podcast like every every podcast has done anything and everything, but I have this idea of. And it comes from the real sports, real you know, sports television, where you have a show that's very opinion based, and they take like what's the hottest take on a thing that you could ever the hot take get right? It's the hot take, and Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or whatever, and they give their opinion on this. Hot man, take. I don't watch these shows that often. Man, I don't know my hot takes. Well, so be. love so, Skip too. So I brought I brought this up, and this is it's not really hot uh, uh, that hot of a take. I, I haven't heard it before, but I watch Omega, and I think the fans, and rightly so because he is doing something right in that wrestling mm-hmm. ring. Mm-hmm. But the fans have built him up so high. True or false? Kenny Omega in New Japan Pro Wrestling has peaked. Um, false. I think. Uh, I think though he'll peak probably after he wins the title if he ever does win the title. Do you so? So you you think he's gonna win the title and stick around? I don't know. I don't. I don't know how long he signed for. If it was a one year deal, I don't think he's winning the title. If it's a two year deal, I think he's winning the title. But um, then again. Maybe he doesn't win the title. Maybe it's, that's that's kind of different, you know, a guy that's... But I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. That's What's really cool about New Japan right now is it is that's what makes it so exciting right now is that there's so many different directions. Like, this G1's going to be unpredictable. Uh, what's going to happen, like I said, though, Okada and, and with Okada Omega in the future, 
So uh, I'm, I'm excited for this, the rest of this year of matches for New Japan. What, what do you think about Okada? Is it gonna, could it get possibly hotter? Um, you know, can, can this fan base... Because the way that I think... Are you talking about Mega? This, you just made Mega, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm right. sorry. Because uh, the way that I think of this is, you've, they've set this... He's set such, such a high bar. Does he continue to try to top it? Or does he slow it down a little bit? And if he doesn't continue to try to top it, if he doesn't go for six and a half stars... <laughs> well, are you, are you talking match, about in-ring performance? Just, or just, just the, the way that, the, that he has topped the last thing that he's done so that this fan base goes... He's the best, right? And so I just worry that a guy like that who's set such a high bar, he only can really come down from that. And I wonder if there's going to be this backlash, like an overcorrection is kind of what they call it. Like maybe he's hotter than he necessarily should be, but the overcorrection is for him to fall from that peak. Hmm. And I'm just wondering, like, I, you know, we've seen certain guys in the history of professional wrestling hold this just hotness, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, guys like that. But on, on an indie level, or not on indie level, but on this level, I don't, I just, I just wonder, can a fan base just create that so much that the expectation is just blown out of the water, and where does he go from here? I don't think he's peaked at all. Um, I think he can peak in New Japan if he wins the title, turns full-blown babyface, exits the Bullet Club, uh, maybe the Bullet Club, you know, exiles Omega. Cody, he does, Cody takes it over. Does this huge run. He's bilingual, so maybe he becomes sort of a secondary face to Okada in Japan. I mean, I think there's a lot of gas left in the tank to drive him storyline-wise. Now, you're talking about has he peaked physically as far as his in-ring performances. Um, I, I still don't think so. And the reason why is because a lot of people thought that happened at the Dome, and then Dominion happened. And for everyone to say, oh, no, there's no way you can, Dave said a six-star match, right? <laughs> no way you're going to do that, and then we got six and a half, <laughs> six, six and a which is sort of, or six and a quarter, right? Yeah. But will six and a half happen, and let's right? be let's, let's be real here. They both were five-star <laughs> <laughs> So... Um, I, I don't think I don't I don't think he's peaked at all. I, I think there's so much more he can offer. I, I mean, I agree with you both. After watching him um, a few weeks ago when we did, and then watching him live, because I think he is like you brought up the thing with the facials, and it kind of annoys me a little bit. And some t- some of the overbumping annoys me a little bit. But like you said. He knows when to turn it up, and he knows when to create that, like, last ten minutes of the match where it's just, like, boom, 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 boom. Crowd's going crazy, crowd's going crazy. Then they go higher and higher and higher, and then they hit it, and it's like, okay, now we now we go home. Maybe it's not, like, a good example, but, like, say, like, a Dennis Rodman in basketball, right? Colorful, his antics, uh, kind of has fun in the game, but then, like, you know, fourth quarter... Locking you know, it down. he's locking it down. So that's why I'm trying. I'm trying to like get that with Omega, and I think it's going to make me even more. How of a fan long was of it. Tanahashi at that point where you thought he may be at his peak? And he, you know what? Kept I, going. So I, I I have to just say that I didn't really follow the product that closely outside of the Observer when 
you know, even three years ago or four years ago or whatever. So I, I, I wouldn't be the right person to, to like, was Tanahashi as hot as Omega is well, right now? in the first part of Tanahashi's rise as champion, when there was this big shift and change, you know, from, like, the, the MMA guys and... And so it was kind of a slow go with Tanahashi at first. Not that he wasn't great or anything, or just like, you know, the company was affected by the whole MMA stuff that kind of ruined the product. Mm-hmm. And so he, I think his peak was probably, not his peak, but like his best run was like 2012. I thought mm-hmm. that was, you know, this stuff with Suzuki. And, and of course, then he had that classic series of Kata. Yeah. So um, I hope, I mean, I think he still could go another like two or three years and have, you know, I just hope it gets this bicep thing. I, it's, I just want to see that, and it's not the. I know it's a Japanese mentality to just make sure you make your dates, and it's good for the company. It's good for the. I just I just think it's good for the company. He gets surgery, comes back hundred percent, and he could be you know Tanahashi. That, that just goes back to my point of you know is it Omega's peak in his in ring physical performance. Um, athletically, I should say, mm-hmm. or is it about his physical peak just as an overall performer? performer? There's a difference, right? Because at this point, what you observe today, mm-hmm. Omega doesn't even have to do the kind of stuff he just did with uh, Okada in that six and a quarter star match, right? Yep. Yep. He doesn't have to. He can go out there and do those silly faces and do and do the bullet, the 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 gunpoint, and click, and people go nuts. So he doesn't really. I mean, mm-hmm. to me. He has the ability to establish establish himself in a way to where he can do less mm-hmm. in the ring and still get an amazing reaction, like what, like Tanahashi today. Or, or Tanahashi got an awesome reaction yeah. just because oh, yeah. he's a legend. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even have to do anything physically to get it. Well, for you know, WWE side with Nakamura, Shinsuke Nakamura, like like people like, oh man, he doesn't wrestle like he wrestles in Japan. He doesn't have to. Why is he going to hurt his body and put his body through that physical grind when he just doesn't? He knows his. He knows what to do. Yeah. I need to do my like, little pose. <laughs> I do a couple of the moves I do, and people just love. Just they want to cheer him. So why why put himself to that abuse? You know. I, I I do have friends who think he's he's a lazy guy now though. He's a shell of the <laughs> man he once was. Oh man, I mean, but let's become those. But those people don't understand. I mean, okay, granted, I was never a wrestler. I was a manager. I took some bumps. Like, like, but, but Dutra was for us, and he could talk about this, like, you know, it's a very physical <laughs> thing to do, and you, if you get to a point where you're so over, and you don't have to do that stuff to get over, that, that, my, would you, would you do it, if you were, if you were that, that over, no, right? I, my, my, one, my left knee kills me, and I wrestled a fraction of the stuff, like, all the guys mm-hmm. we're talking about now have wrestled thousands, probably more matches than I have. I did. I hurt myself on that split leg and moonsault, mm-hmm. and I, I had mm-hmm. to cut that out. I had to change. I had stopped doing a lot of high flying stuff because I landed on my neck. You know, we've talked so. about this before, but the best uh, comparison is Matt Hardy, right? Yeah, like Matt Hardy was killing himself year after year to be uh, you know the Hardy Boys, and then he changed his character. And we, I saw him on one of your shows, and I was I, he's just walking out, just making moves with his hands, and the crowd's going nuts, and it's like. <laughs> Ramming a guy's head in a turnbuckle ten times, like, you know, wow. like, like what come on. The, that was that was amazing for me to see that that crowd was just eating out of palms. I hands. mean, he wasn't doing anything. At a certain time in your career, you want to get to a point where you're over enough and you don't have to do all these risks. That's gonna, you know, you do the risk when you're younger and ho- I hope it pays off later when you can maximize your earnings. But like, 
like I said, like right now people get all upset with this whole Nakamura thing. I'm like, guys, <laughs> he's been through the war for years and years and years and years. You know, let him. You know, he's not he's not phoning it in. He's still working hard. You know, yeah. if anything, Ziggler was phoning it in. And that's who we had to work with the first, like, I don't know how many matches. I, yeah, well, we, we could probably talk about that another time. <laughs> we go on that forever. I, I just, like, think that fans, they just, they'll just never understand. And yeah. uh, even even me, like I said, I was never a wrestler. But and being around the guys and seeing their aches and pains and seeing, you know, like, you know, they, they don't want to take the risk. You know, look, like, like, look at our friend Jeff Cobb, good friend of ours. Like, yep. he, when he was coming up, he did a lot of stuff. And now he knows exactly what he can do. You know, he knows exactly the spots that get over, and he does them. And you know, and and he st- and he still gets great reactions every time he wrestles. Yeah. All right. Last question I have for both of you, which is, um, you now have seen a few different guys live for the first time ever. Um, I want to stick strictly to Okada, and you know, you've been watching him for for a few years now. Got to see him live. He's still very, still fairly young in his career. I don't think he's even up for uh, Observer Hall of Fame yet, is he? I'm still in his 20, late twenties, right? Yeah. So, where would you rank him in guys that you've seen or guys that you consider great? Like, how how does he fit into that conversation now? In you know. He's he he may, he maybe he's in the prime of his career or he's in the young prime or something. But Gosh, he's like he, this is this is one of the greatest years of match quality that anybody has ever yeah, seen. Definitely, definitely, this is definitely one of the best years of uh, best title runs in wrestling history. I think up there with Kenta Kobashi's uh, run and Noah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he's in my top ten yet, but I think he will be in like a year. Um, I think. I was excited. Like we all, I asked like on a road trip up here, like who you want to see, and I like I really want to see Tanahashi. And I know he's not gonna have the opportunity to have his best match that he can have because the who he's the match tonight is it was a ten, it was a ten man. And he's working Billy Gunn, which I think is gonna be a, a good match. But it's not gonna be your classic Tanahashi match, but I think he's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. So I was just pumped just to see him in person, you know and. And I always like to see legendary guys, you know, and legendary athletes and, you know, say, hey, I saw that guy in person. So I was really excited to see that. So um, I think Okada, though, in, a, in, a, in, a, in 2000, a couple years, I think he might be, you know, definitely my top ten of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. Let's just hope he doesn't ever get hurt in oh, serious man. injuries because, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a legend in the making at such a young age. He can go another... Ten to fifteen years and put on top notch mat top notch mat top notch matches. Um, I, my only thing about Okada that I'm not a fan of, and it's just probably me and me alone, but um, I feel like until the match gets really physical, which is usually fifteen or twenty minutes into his long matches, um, he's sort of uncharismatic, mm-hmm. and I think for me it's to a fault. Like, he has sort of a deadpan look on his face in the early parts of his mind, and I wish he'd just become a little more animated. And in a way that fits him, right? He doesn't have to do goofy stuff like Omega. Right. But he just looks so serious and, like, almost deaf to emotion. Yeah, he's, like, he's just so calm that he's almost, like... And to me, I I don't know, I I just don't like that. But then you see it come out of him Mm -hmm. when it gets really physical, 
and then he becomes like a, such an awesome seller. Yeah. But until I think if he can work on that one part of his game, I think he'd be one of the best ever. Do you think it's because like when he first became the Rainmaker in the New Japan, like he was a heel technically. He was this playboy, like Ric Flair type character. So he would come out cocky, arrogant, you know. And Gato was the the vocal guy. Still is a vocal mouthpiece for him. But like, but now that he's the babyface, like he's still being him. But now he's the babyface. So maybe it's like he stepped it up a little bit today. But I think it's because he knew he was working in an American audience. Mm-hmm. So like he did that little thing in the corner where the stomps and all that. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And that's not something I don't think he would usually do in Japan, but I don't know. I think that was it, it catered well to this audience, and he got you know he knew that he had them and reacted. Um, but he doesn't usually do that in his really long-winded one-on-one kind of matches. So. What did you guys think of the Rainmaker at the end? Did you think it, did it get a? I thought it was gonna get, like get a lot of reaction. It just seemed maybe because there's so much crazy that the story and people are trying to like is something goofy's gonna happen, something crazy's gonna happen. I, I was just a little disappointed. I thought it was going to be like this moment where like the whole place is rumbling, almost like when we went and saw uh, the NXT show before WrestleMania. Um, and go to sleep. When yeah. Kenta picked a Tyler Breeze for that sleep, go to sleep, yeah. it, the whole it was like it was like like if you're watching the wave of the baseball game, they all just kind of started rising together, and it was, it was this explosion when he hit the move. I, th- I, I was I was like, I guess I was expecting that moment to happen again tonight. It was anticlimactic because of what happened before. Yeah. I think yeah. the big ooh-ah moment was the towel spot. Mm-hmm. What was going to happen with the towel? And when nothing happened, I think people calmed a little bit. And I think everyone sort of expected that Okada would probably win that match. Mm-hmm. So, If you guys put your sort of booker hats on or your creative process hats on, what do you, what do you think they're gonna do like with the towel and with Omega and with Cody and and the Bullet Club and are they officially? I mean, was did he basically quit? I mean, I I took it that he quit the Bullet Club there. It's like at that in that match within the match with Akata, I thought you know Cody threw the towel back. I'm winning this belt. You know I don't care. You know it's about me, not about the Bullet Club. So I figured that's what happened and. I thought, like, Cody was turning babyface, but I don't think it got over the fact that he's turning babyface. I don't think the crowd, because the crowd's there to see, you know, they're with the mega. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm interested to see what they do. Tomorrow's going to tell a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would guess that, if that Cody and Omega are going to feud for the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's probably what's going to happen at some point. I don't know if it's going to happen soon, but I, I, I have him winning the belt, Omega. What if they, like, tomorrow when they announce the matches and they just say um, Chaos versus Bullet Club? They mention, like, Okada. They mention, like, maybe Omega. They don't mention, like, which of the members are. And, like, Cody is one of the guys in Chaos now, or at least teaming up with Chaos against the Bullet Club. I don't know. I thought that may be interesting. I wasn't, admittedly, I wasn't paying attention to the stuff afterwards because um, I was trying to get my t-shirt before they, <laughs> they closed down the merch stand. Um, and your tracksuit. So oh, and my awesome tracksuit. Um, but I didn't pick up on the idea that he was, it was clear that he was leaving yeah. the Bullet Club. Because so. from, our, from our view, I couldn't see what happened afterwards when it came to like... All goes back to what Omega we talked about at the start of yeah, this podcast. Yeah. Couldn't see a lot of I didn't yeah. see what happened between Omega and Cody after the match. Like, did they just argue and go to the back? Or at least Cody went to the back? Or did Cody just leave with Brandy without the Bullet Club? Like, 
that'll be interesting to see on the. They, um, I hope the that they, they can't just break it off like that in one show. I feel like that's like the start of a slow fuse to an eventual mm-hmm. like split between you know Cody and the rest of the Bullet Club, or vice versa. I would rather have. Omega split because he's already so well liked by so many fans. But anyway. he, if he splits, you have to split him with the Young Bucks. The elite has to break it, become its own thing, and the Bullet Club has to be the heels. I think. Well, possible, yeah. Hmm. I think that's it, man. I think that mm. I think that's all. Of the, oh no, there is one more thing. Uh oh, and, and there's more. Uh, G one. Who do you think is win G one? Or who would be your top? Two or three to win G one. I don't think Omega's gonna win again because he won last year. Naito. Now we're talking about Naito today at dinner, so I'm gonna yeah. go with Naito. That's my choice. And so then he would face who? Would he face? So he's gonna face Okada. Okada. Tokyo Dome. Yeah. 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 I mean, and they could build in the his loss to Ishii in this show into G one somehow if they're they somehow. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the brackets up, which probably should have had him up for the. Uh, yeah, good. the podcast, but um, yeah, I'm sure. Sir, I mean, I'm, I'm, if Saber and say Juice Robinson are in the bracket together, I bet you anything Juice gets his win back in, mm-hmm. in there. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is it for for uh, for night one. I think I'll probably write something for night two, so we don't have to uh, do another podcast. But um, no, that was good. That was fun. Uh, I think we I think we gave folks mm-hmm. a sort of live perspective of of a show that they. You know, we were able to watch on TV, or maybe they were one of the few thousand that were there with us. And as a full-blooded Italian, I'm very offended by the Tempura Boys. <laughs> I hate that name. Uh, right as we're about to, right as we're about to uh, to close the podcast, uh, the Heartbreak Kid did wake up over there. I think he 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 could tell we're about to we're about to end. So, all right. So uh, I'm Double G. Thanks to John uh, Dutra and the Heartbreak Kid. See you when we see you. Peace out.